What if everything you thought and believed about successful buying, selling, and financing your home was wrong? Welcome to HomeWise with Michael Midget. This is where you can count on straightforward, objective advice on the right way to make the most out of every dollar you put into your home. Whether it's buying, selling, or financing, even maintaining and growing its value along the way. Coming to you from the News Talk STL studios at Union Station in St. Louis. Good morning and welcome to HomeWise Radio. My name is Stal Pontikas and I'm joined by the creator and host of HomeWise, Michael Midget. Michael, hello. Welcome. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, Stel. How are you? Doing fine. Thank you. Another important subject to cover today. Oh, yeah. Well, they're all important. Yes, they are. Um, of course, if you're buying or selling a house, they're extremely important and timely. But even if you're not, you know, it's still, uh, for one, you know, I always say everybody knows somebody. If it's not you, it's somebody else. Statistically speaking, 6% of the people move every year. And so if you just take how many people you know and you take six percent of them and you make some adjustments uh up or down depending on the individual people you know likely somebody in there is is going to move but even if for some reason you don't and you aren't um there's still you know to date credit um which is what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the credit reports if you remember last week we kind of left off uh we we did what a what a call would look like or sound like what that experience would be. And I said, when I get off here, the next thing I do is I will access credit report and then do an analysis. So today we're going to, you know, in that, in that, in that overarching story, we are, we're going to check the credit report today and I'm going to share with you what's in there and what I look at and, and things like that. But, you know, when I first started in this business, um, Everything was generally done face-to-face, okay? So we talked last week about you would call me, and most of the time the, the intake, the initial is done over the phone, uh, or perhaps it's done even prior to us speaking because you went to my digital application at goshelter.com. Um, but at some point, we get to the point where, um, where we're having that initial conversation. Well, when I first started in a business – that initial conversation happened face-to-face, all right? And basically, you know, I worked in an office. People would come to the office. They would sit down, and that oftentimes was the first time that I had met them. So I had no idea. Yeah, it was just – it wasn't just walk-ins, but, you know, we were doing marketing, and so uh, appointments were being set, people coming in, but it wasn't the kind of thing where they were handed out or we knew about it. Uh, and had worked with them ahead of time. It was when they, you know, they would come in, they would they would bring their documents, and they would sit down with us face to face. And our job was to, you know, talk to them. We would chat with them some. Uh, we would explain a little bit of what it is, how it works, things, you know, things like that. And then face to face across the desk, um, we would do that information gathering, right? So you think back and I kind of showed or demonstrated how it wasn't just a, a rapid fire, boom, 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 boom. We're just going to, you know, go down the list of banging out these questions and, and gathering information in an in interrogation style, but it was more of a questioning process that I would go through. Well, that I developed in this model here where somebody would come in, I had never met him or seen him before, and he'd sit down face to face. And now I have to... <laughs> I have to figure out 
what it is we're going to do. Because, you know, think about it. Like, somebody got up off their couch or after work or before work or whatever the case was, and they've they've driven sometimes across town, sometimes across state lines <laughs> from Illinois to come see us here in Missouri. Um, and, you know, there was a fair amount of effort involved in that. You know, it's not just, oh, it's a simple phone call and caught me in a decent time. You know, here, I'll give you five minutes. This was like a two-hour commitment between drive time there back the time there. And it was a big, you know, it was a big deal to them. So, you know, if somebody showed up and honestly, sometimes people would show up and they just didn't really have any business being there and it's not their fault. They were solicited or whatever. And they, they came in to see, you know, to get something, but again, we're not seeing that before they come in. So, um, you know, the place where I was working, we'll blame it on them. <laughs> we'll blame okay. it on them. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, if somebody came out and you had like, I'm sorry, I just don't have anything for you. I mean, they might get upset. I mean, not, you know, like dangerously upset, but, you know, I mean, hey, you know, I mean, I took time out of my day. I came out here. I did, the, you know, and also the anticipation of that they were going to get something done, you know, because, um, you know, if people had a problem. You know, whether it was a problem with their debt, their rates were too high, their payments were too high, they needed this, they needed that, they wanted money to buy a house. They were there to solve to solve a problem. They wanted to get that problem solved. So if we weren't able to do that, you know, that was, it could be, you know, it could be disappointing, let's say. All right. So it, it put a fair amount of pressure on you, you know. So, um, you know, if you think about this, you know, when I got started, so I've been doing this for 31 years. I'm going to turn 53 this year. So I start, if you do the math on it, it's like 20, 22 years old, right? And so, well, it was actually a couple months before I turned 22. So hmm. I, technically when I was sitting down with you, I was 21, 21 years old. Mm -hmm. And I, so that's young, right, to begin with, okay? And I looked even younger. So to imagine this, you know, people two times, sometimes three times my age coming in, gone through this process, and now they're sitting down with somebody that, in fact, it reminds me of uh, one nice old lady. She was a grandma. She came in and um, documents with her and everything. She's sitting down, and so I'm talking to her, and I'm, you know, asking her questions and things, and she sets everything down on the desk, and she looks at me right across the desk, like kind of leans up forward, looks at me, adjusts her glasses a little bit. She's like, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I like, um, you know, I, you know, like <laughs> I told her, and um, it's like, I have grandchildren older than you are. Are you old enough to be doing this? And I said, well, you know, it's, yeah, I'm old enough to be doing this. I'll tell you what, we'll go through this process and I'll work on all this for you. And if you're uncomfortable at the end, you just, you just let me know. And that's one of the only times I can, I can remember where somebody like outwardly said something about it. But when you, you know, when you meet somebody and a lot of this gets lost today because things are happening digitally, remotely, you know, over the phone, over the Zoom, or maybe not even you know, that close together anyway, if it's, if it's digital and, um, you know, the, the, you lose that, that 
ability to assess and get a feel for people. By the way, I'm just curious, did she stay as a client or? Oh, good. Yeah. I've never had anybody walk out. Good. Never. Because (laughs) see, I, I very early on, I, I grasped the gravity, the gravity of that situation where, you know, yeah, we're trying to get a job done and I'm trying to make money doing this and we have to get it to, you know, work with our investors. So it has to be a good deal for them. And it has to be a good deal for our borrower. But aside from all that, there is a humanistic side to this and just just believe in treating people well, Mm -hmm. you know, and even in cases where it was clear from like the second that they sat down, you know, like they've got their bankruptcy papers there. I'm like, I mean, I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, how did you, I, how did you, how did you get this far in the, in the process? Like it should have been, it should have been caught by now. We up. But so the, the answer is not to sit there and say, Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I can't help you. Like you sat down here two minutes. I can't help you. You know, like, they invested some time. So I just feel like I should invest some time. And, you know, even if I can't deliver the thing that they came there to get, I should deliver something because they put forth some effort. I feel like I should put forth some effort. And so sometimes it would go into a shift, you know, like, Hey, you know what, given the situation that, of course, you know, I'm I'm not going to be able to do that. What I could put together for you Honestly, between you and me, you wouldn't want, Mm -hmm. you know, because back then there was literally there was something for everybody. And uh, but that doesn't mean that everybody should take it, you know, and I just I always, always, you know, I just something I could not escape was, you know, if I wouldn't do this myself, if I wouldn't take this myself, if it wasn't something if you were my grandma, you know, my mom or dad, my sister or brother or, you know, dear friend, if I wouldn't suggest and recommend and stand behind this to them, then I'm not going to do that to you, even though I don't know you prior to you walking through that door. Because it's just, you know, it's just the wrong thing to do. You know, these are people's houses we're talking about. It's their livelihood. It's, it's a big deal. And that can sometimes get glossed over in, in our business because, people and lives and that are getting reduced to numbers and spreadsheets at some point because it all, it all goes into a computer and there has to be a, a, a way of making decisions in that. But that does not mean that there's still not a humanistic side to it. Sure. Know? So I've just always, always felt, felt that way. And so that filters into the way that I treat people, the way that call that initial call goes, and by the way, you can come out, still meet face to face. I still do that. I enjoy doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's however people want to work most easy and comfortable for them, because I re- I, I recognize that the more comfortable and confident that somebody else is in this, the better participant they're going to be able to be in the process. That's when the process works best, and that's when you get the best result. So, um, when we look at the credit report, right? So I gathered all the information. I've got the numbers in that, but now I need to start documenting those numbers. And when we're, when we're looking at underwriting or assessing loan qualification, there's something called the three C's. You might've heard of them before. Okay. Uh, collateral character and capacity. So that's what the three C's are. All right. Collateral is just, is the property. Okay, it's the foundation, it's the basis of a real estate loan or mortgage or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's collateralized lending, all right? If you were to lend you money, 
You promise to pay it back. We don't want your property, but we're going to take your property as security for that money that we're putting out and that promise that you've made to pay us back. And if you don't pay us back, then we will take the property to sell it, liquidate it, to get enough money to pay back what you owe us. And then the balance, if any, would, you know, would go on to you. Okay, that's the basis of the underwriting thing. So the property, what's the property worth? And in the case of a purchase, um, it's how much money you're putting into the, the transaction as a, as a down payment. Okay, so there's an asset, there's an asset side to that, to that collateral, okay? Document it with an appraisal, an appraised value. In the case of a purchase, you've got a sale contract, um, and then you've got documentation on the assets that you're putting in, like bank statements and, and, and things like that, okay? But that's the foundational and the original, what is arguably probably the most important C of, of the three, okay? Um, character is your credit, all right? And it's your promise or your willingness to pay back, all right? And it's, it's, a, it's a behavioral trait, okay? You learn it. It's ingrained into you since the beginning of time. The vast majority of times when, uh, you know, a loan goes bad or something like that, there is a credit aspect to it. And predominantly, when you look at the numbers, it's, it's lower credit scores. It just, I, you know, I doesn't mean a low credit score is good. doesn't mean a low credit score is bad. It isn't one or the other. It just is what it is. It figures into, along with a lot of other figures and data and that, into the, into the underwriting, underwriting process. But it's the most important uh, facet of underwriting alone, all right? So the basis of the lending is the collateral. The basis of the credit decision is credit, all right? Your promise, your willingness, your willingness to pay back. Third C is capacity. That's basically your income, your ability to pay back, okay? So you've got the security for the loan. You've got the willingness to pay, and you've got the ability to pay. When you bring those three things together, then you have a successful loan, okay? So capacity, the income, to measure of your financial resources, that's a financial trait, okay? So credit behavioral trait, uh, Income and ability to pay is the financial trait, okay? And it's not that it's not important, but it's sort of secondary to the credit trait. So when you look at, when you look at the way loans are priced and the way they're underwritten, um, credit has a larger, a larger impact, meaning based on what your score is, will affect something no matter whether it's low or whether it's high or whether you know, you have a lot of down payment or you have little smaller down payment, those two factors converge together to, to create pricing. Uh, the income side of it measured by debt to income ratios is generally a pass or fail test. Okay. So you either have enough or you don't. So if you make a whole lot of money and you have a, just a little bitty tiny amount of bills, so you have a very low debt ratio, that's good for underwriting. Hmm. Um, doesn't mean that you get a better rate than somebody that just squeaked by. All right. So it's a, it's, it's a pass or fail test. So as long as you've got enough and we can document it, then you're good. All right. So on the credit report, so we're talking about credit today. All right. Promise we're going to talk about the credit report. So what are we looking at? Main thing we're looking at is FICO score. 
Okay, that's not the only thing, but it's the main thing that we're looking at. It's that it's that number. It's the first thing that I you know that I want to see. Um, if all I had was the number, I can tell a whole lot. I can't issue a pre-approval or anything like that on it, but I can give you a really good idea of what a rate's going to be, closing cost, payment breakdown, and uh, you know, and things like that. Just real quick, we'll run through in a you know FICO score. It's Fair Isaac and Company. They're not the credit bureau. They're a separate company. They're a data and analytics company. They own the formula that is used to calculate credit scores. Okay. So the scores are calculated by the three bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. They use the FICO algorithm with the data that's inside their credit, each of their credit files to produce a score. Okay. So when you look at the three bureaus, you'll get three different scores. Why are the scores different? Okay, well, the algorithm is the same, but you get different scores because each bureau has a little bit different information in it, all right? And they're looking at the factors that make that up, just real quick, are payment history, um, amounts owed, length of credit history, your mix of credit, and your length of credit. And so when you're looking at the different bureaus, um, you might have some accounts that haven't reported yet for a month. You might have some accounts that aren't reporting to all three bureaus. So they'll, they will have at least slightly different information for each one. And it's all the information is all pulled into, into, the, into that algorithm to, to produce the score. All right. So in addition to the score, we're looking at payment history. We're looking at the amount of payment. So we're going to pull the monthly payments off of, so see who you owe, how much you owe, what those payments are. And um, just as an aside, I will look at all the other information on the accounts because as we'll see later when I'm talking about actual credit strategies on how we put this together and things that we can do to improve upon a structure, uh, sometimes that extra information that almost nobody looks at can can come in handy. So um, why don't we go to break, and when we come back, we will look at how I actually use credit to evaluate a loan. You're listening to HomeWise Radio. Stal Pontikas here with the host and creator of the show, Michael Midget. Michael and I will be back as we continue our look at uh, credit reports. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to HomeWise Radio. I'm Stal Pontikas, and Michael Midget is here with me in the studio. And we will continue our look at credit reports. Michael, this is uh, fascinating stuff so far. <laughs> continue the discussion, my friend. Uh, absolutely. Um, sometimes people do find it interesting. I don't know. I mean, I'm after doing this for so long, I just um, it starts to get old hat. You know, and so even though I enjoy it, I'm, I, I'm, it's, it's almost second nature to me. So I don't have to think about it too hard. It's just when you've done something thousands of times, you start to, <laughs> it oh, starts yeah. to become easier for you. Yeah. Um, and I think for yeah. those of us looking in from yeah. the outside who only go through it three, yeah. four, five, and, 10 times. And, 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 you know, and, and some people say, oh yeah, for people that have bad credit, sure. They're going to be interesting because they want to improve it. And that, mm. yeah, that is probably true. Okay. But I also say it's important for people that have good credit to look at it also because when people think of they have good credit, they think of 
making their payments on time. All right. So if we go back and we're looking, if we're thinking about what I said the factors were, uh, payment history is only 30% of, of the, uh, of the formula. Okay. So it's a significant part of the formula, but it's not the only, the only thing. So if you are missing on some of the other pieces, you might not have as great a score as you, as you think you will. The other thing I was going to say real quick was that um, there are all different, even though, so, so there are different scores per bureau. There are also different FICO models that can be utilized by a bureau, okay? And there's, there's at least five that I know of that Fannie and Freddie accept as a score using one of these five models. Now, they, they have preferences, you know, we prefer this one or this one or this one, but we'll take a score from any of these five, five models. And then what happens is the, the credit vendors that we use, when they, when they contract with the bureaus, they have the ability to show us different models. Because when a bureau... When a bureau calculates this, they just they just have a license with with Fair Isaac to use their algorithm, all of them. So when they pull a credit file, it'll come with every every everyone on there. If you if you're right if you're with the right credit vendor and they're doing it right, they should be able to look and see if oh you know what model one versus model two or right now model three is predominantly the the better scoring model out of the out of the ones that we have the choice to use, they will make that decision in the background. So sometimes you could even have, you could go to two places and you could have a credit report pulled and you get two different scores. Like Mm. how in the world is it? Well, Mm -hmm. it's two different credit vendors that are showing you two. It's the same. See, they don't say what model it is on the face of of the report. You'd have to do some digging and some calls to find out. But, um, being just being in my job and that I know, I know who my vendors are. I know who they use. And I know that that, that, that happens from, you know, from time to time. So um, it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. When I get credit though, credit and the credit score and that the biggest thing that's going to happen is the biggest thing we're going to do with that is use that. Generally that's going to dictate the type of loan that's used. Okay. So, and generally, that's going to be conventional versus government or FHA, all right? Um, generally, if you have the higher scores, that's going to lean you toward conventional. And by the way, just generally speaking, conventional will generally be favored over FHA if you have the choice. Reason is because it generally is lower overall cost of interest at the end of the day, all right? So mainly because of that uh, private mortgage insurance, mm. which we're going to talk about here in a minute again. Uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago in depth, but there is a factor to it here because credit is what drives some of that pricing on, on, the, on the PMI. But depending on where your score falls, if you have the higher scores the con- and you're in a situation where you're putting down less than 20%, the PMI, we're, then we're looking at the cost of the PMI on the conventional loan versus the cost of the, I mean, we're looking at overall cost, but what it comes down to, you're looking at rate and you're looking at add-ons and things like that. Um, there is a crossover point on every file where it becomes, you know, below this point, FHA is going to be more more 
advantageous to you above this point conventional is going to be advantageous to you. And by the way, that moving that break even point will adjust loan by loan based on the parameters of that loan, because these things are all risk based priced on the conventional side on the FHA side, it's generally just a flat, a flat factor and a flat, uh, flat rate on that. So middle scores can go either way. Um, you just, I, the only reason I say is you as a consumer aren't going to be able to sit there and say, well, I have a higher score, so I need to go look for a conventional loan. That is something that your loan officer or the company that you go with, if they're doing their job right, they're going to, they should be taking on an advisory capacity and will be making that determination. Hopefully they're sharing with you their thinking and how they arrived at what it is that they're showing you and why that's better than some other options. But I say this because if you have a high credit score, okay, and somehow you've been quoted and are in an FHA product and you don't know why, all right, uh, one, you could ask, <laughs> okay, um, but if you don't know, if you, if you don't know why or it doesn't seem like you should be or you don't want to be and you have the option to not be in it, I have seen some loan officers, not all, but some, will default to go to FHA because they perceive it to be an easier sale, right? It's easier because the rate's lower. Why is the rate lower? Because things pack full of mortgage insurance. Mm. Got the upfront factor and then it's got the factor over time. So um, you could, it could be close, but conventional could still be favored. And you might say, oh, I don't care about 20 or $30 on the payment. I just want to get this done. Like, well, okay. I can show you what 20 or $30 on the payment can do. If we look at that strategy wise over, over, you know, over the term of a loan. But I mean, I can give you a reason to care if you want. But the point is, just because somebody says it, if it doesn't make sense, you can always ask. All right. But I, I have, you know, I have, I have seen that, seen that happen before. All right. So credit is going to dictate basically in general, what type of loan you go with. If you go with, so if you're with FHA, um, that's kind of the end of it. So their, their mortgage insurance, their pricing and all that is generally uh, the same across the board, no matter whether you have a a low 600s or a high 600s or even into the 700s. Now, lender by lender, some lenders will favor higher credit scores over other independent of the type of loan, even if it is an FHA loan. So you still might see rate adjustments for that. But for the core product from HUD or from the the mortgage pool that's going in, they don't have the same rate add-ons or subtractions from pricing that conventional has. All right. So that's why at a certain point, if, if you're into lower scores and so conventional, if you have a lower score and a lower down payment, and now that kind of has become much more murky with the new uh, pricing adjustments that are going to be coming out in May. Um, so we've got to look at that more so than ever on a case-by-case basis. But just generally speaking, We'll just, we'll just limit it to credit since that's what we're talking about today. If you have the lower credit score, you have the higher add-ons, risk-based pricing, lower credit score assesses more risk, and so you have higher higher rates. Um, Let me ask real quick, yeah. for folks who may not be familiar with the spread of credit scores, just give us a quick overview, just a, a quick mathematical look at uh, <laughs> as the sheet of paper flies off the table. Uh, 
just a quick mathematical look at what would be low score, what would be high score, what is the range? Yeah, well, the folks ra- may not yeah, know. Sure. Yeah, so just the range, hard range from a from FICO themselves will tell you three hundreds to eight hundred. Okay, it's like three fifty to eight fifty. Mm. Yeah, I can tell you, I've never seen a three hundred credit score. Mm-hmm. I've seen very few eight hundreds. Never seen an eight fifty. Um, very rarely will even see anything in the four hundreds. Like if I showed you a credit report, the one I can think of off the top of my head was a 480 something. And you just like, there would, they had never paid a bill on time in their life. All right. And even then it still wasn't three, it mm-hmm. wasn't 300, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I don't like to say good and bad. All right. Because somebody that has a, I've done great loans for people with 580 credit scores. Mm. All right. And I've done, good loans for people with 780 credit scores. Now, obviously, if you have a 780 credit score, you have more choices available to you. If you're at 580, you're pretty much going to be limited to uh, FHA. Um, and this is in a case where we're just looking at, you know, not USDA for rural, uh, not VA, although those will tend to mirror more of what FHA does because it's a government. It goes into the government bucket. Um just the main the main thing conventional and uh and you know you know uh FHA mm-hmm. okay um i don't like to say i don't like to say 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 good and bad but generally you know if you are if you're over 700 that's generally considered good credit all right if you have a 680 doesn't mean you don't have good credit it just means that and if we go back to the factors See, you could have in your mind, I have good credit. I make I always make my payments on time, all right? But there's that factor of uh, amounts owed, all right? So, you know, if you have, and, you know, I, and I, I'm not over, I only have a couple credit cards, and I only have a $2,000 balance on each, like, limit on each one. But you have $1,950 borrowed on each one. Well, yeah, but the payments, I got to cut. It's like, it's like almost nothing. You know, when I'm, I bought a TV at Best Buy, it's on six-month interest-free financing. You know, I'm going to wait. I'm gonna, just going to pay it off because I have the money in the bank. Well, the credit report can't see the money in the bank, all right? It's just looking at the accounts that you have. So what it sees is a new account, all right? It's a finance-style account because of the company. They can tell the company that makes, makes the loan. It's, a, it's an installment, finance installment sale contract, all right? They know that they're not underwritten at the time they're done because you traded a TV and if, you know, like they're just (laughs) like, take the TV, we'll take our chances with the financing. Like if you pay Mm. us anything, it covers our cost. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they know that. All right. And they know that. uh, So when that gets fed into the into the algorithm, you got a new account. It's almost maxed out and it's from a finance style lender. That's three strikes against you right there. You know, you might, you know, if you went out on the, you know, beginning last week in January to go get a new flat screen TV to go watch the Super Bowl on. And, you know, you spent, you know, you spent a thousand bucks on a TV, I guess. Um, They're going to push real hard to get you to, you know, here, just we'll push it out. We'll put it in your car for you if you just sign right here. You don't have to pay for it for six months, interest free. You know, just split it up, hundred fifty. You know, whatever. They don't care. Your your score is probably going to take a hit in the short term for that. Okay, 
So the the next month when that reports, it's going to it's going to take a hit, like almost certain wise. No matter whether you were seven eighty before that or whether you were six eighty mm. before that. Now, depending on who you are and the other factors in your credit bureau, how much that affects it is going to change. Everybody is different. Why is everybody different? We're not treating everybody different. It's the same algorithm, but the algorithm is ingesting all of the information that's in your in your in your uh, in your credit report. So if you take two people and one of them's 30 years old and the other one's 60 years old, the 60-year-old likely, not guaranteed, but most likely has a longer credit history. They have more credit to assess. So the algorithm can look at that and say, oh, man, they have a long credit history here. They almost always pay on time over a long period of time. goes back to that behavioral trait. This person believes in paying their bills, all right? It's not a, they're a good person or a bad person. It's just a fact pattern of how do they treat this and what does their track record look like? Because they don't have crystal balls. We can't see into the future. We can only look into the past and assess what we can reasonably expect to see in the future. And when somebody makes a loan, they're making a loan based on your, bil- your, ability, future, uh, your ability to pay in the future right? Because that loan is stretched out over time. And those payments are stretched out over time. So, um, And you want that prospective client to be conscientious. And they're going to show conscientious attitudes by paying their bills on time. Yeah. Which is and something that, yeah, you want to so see. That's, 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 what they're getting. that's what they're getting from the credit report. Mm-hmm. So if you make a million dollars a year, that doesn't factor into your credit report directly because there's no income piece there. And in fact, the more you make, see, I could make an argument either way. See, okay, you make a whole lot of money. You always pay your bills on time. That is going to, that's going to be a favorable thing. All right. But let's say you make a lot of money, so you can afford nice things, right? <laughs> nice. Let's assume nice things cost more than not nice things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have, you drive a car that's more expensive than other people's and know, you went to the dealership and, you know, it's like to go to the dealership, you can get factory financing. It's darn near 0%. Well, why not? You make a lot of money. You're smart. You know, you have the ability to do this. Well, we'll, well, well, we'll do that. Right. So you have an $80,000 car payment on your, on your credit report. Right. Well, okay. That, so now see income didn't factor directly in, but because you made a lot, it affected how you use how you use credit and the, the and the degree to which you use credit and how much that credit is. And some of those things will factor in. All right. Again, it's going to vary how much based on the person, based on all the other factors. But and I just I just point this out because people will self-select themselves into something based on a socioeconomic class that they perceive themselves to be in, you couldn't make a bigger mistake. I mean, short of paying your bills on time. <laughs> short of paying your bills on time. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't, it's not intuitive like that. It's, it's smarter than that. And by the way, these, these, they didn't figure out like, okay, well, here, here's the model we're going to like ram everybody into, and this is the way we want to evaluate people. What they did was they took decades and decades and decades, hundreds of thousands of loans, loan performance payment histories, and they fed it into computers, 
you know, some machine learning, deep learning algorithms and things that we hear so much about today. Um, they are using this in the background to figure out, okay, what are the parameters of loans that go bad? What are the parameters of the ones that stay good? And they, 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 they piece all this apart like that, and they can literally figure – I mean, they've got it down. It's down to a science. Um, FICO scores have been very, very successful in that. Um, I remember the day when, when I first started in this, we didn't have FICO scores. And when they first came out, we hated it, hated it. Like, well, you're going to reduce these people down to a number? I mean, what if their number's low, but they're good people? See, I used to be able to go to an underwriter and make an argument. Like, they're mm. a good person. You know, they've been in their house 10 years, been on their job 10 years. You know, the old 10 and 10 rule. You know, if somebody had 10 years on the job, 10 years in the house, they had stable income because that's what underwriting wants. They want stability. They, we would, you know, we could get like a guaranteed exception for something. So if I needed a credit exception, you know, um, you know maybe they would normally be a C but I wanted them to be a B because a B would give me a better rate than the C, and I'm always fighting for my client, right? Um, or they needed a debt ratio exception because not because they don't have enough money, but we weren't able to verify enough money, you know. So sometimes if people are self-employed, they make money that they don't, that they can't show or don't show, or things like that. So, you know, um, moving on, we talked about the uh, the way the scores work into mm-hmm. the down payment and the, and the pricing add-ons. I said the same thing was true of PMI and that's kind of what that, what that crossover point is. So if you're, if you're below 20% down and you've got a higher score, you're almost always going to be better off going conventional because then you have no mortgage insurance at all. Mm. Even though with FHA, you're going to have two types of mortgage insurance that, that spread gets, smaller and smaller and more difficult to assess which way to go as you move into that, what's perceived to be the riskier part of that uh, credit score and down payment uh, band. So this is a good spot to take a break here. Yeah, let's take a break. We're going to, we're going to talk about credit strategies. Like, okay, so how does all this play out and work out when we're, when I'm doing the analysis and putting this together? Good. You're listening to HomeWise Radio. I'm Stel Pontikas. That's Michael Midget. And we will be right back right after this break. Welcome back to HomeWise Radio. Stel Pontikas here along with the creator and host of the show, Michael Midget. Michael, continue our in-depth look at credit reports. Sure thing, Stell. Um, so we've talked about a lot. We've talked about the reports, um, what's in them, uh, how I look at what's in them. And as much as we went into and I shared with you, there's still a whole lot more. So um, if I didn't cover something that you wanted to hear or you think I left something out or you have a question that I didn't answer feel free to reach out, you know, the show homewiseradio.com, go shelter.com. You can call me at 314-275-0314, call or text, just say you're a listener of the show and you have a question and I'm happy to answer it for you. Weigh in, uh, no strings attached. All right. So by the way, that no strings attached, it goes with everything. So uh, I just want to help people make sure that people are getting uh, the best thing for themselves since 
the home contributes such a large part of your personal financial wealth, your security, your stability. It's the thing the family is wrapped around. Um, it's a big deal. Yes, so indeed. You want to make sure that people get get the best thing for themselves. So credit strategies, I promised. What am I looking at? We've showed we've shown you what you know what we're looking at. Basically, it's the it's the credit scores dictates the type of loan. When we're looking at scores, um, loan pricing, you know the rate, and then the uh, the price or the cost that goes with a rate, right? So when you say, "Oh, I don't want any points. I don't want to pay any points," okay. When you say zero points, that's a price, okay. There's zero points, and then that zero points has an interest rate with it at any given point in time. Mm. If you say, well, I'm willing to pay one point, right? Well, that would have a lower interest rate. Uh, I don't want to pay any points, and I want to get money back to pay the rest of my closing costs. So you would need what's called a premium, right, or a lender, an additional lender credit. Okay, well, that's probably going to be a higher rate. And to what degree it depends on a bajillion factors. <laughs> Like, not least of which is like the day that we're doing this on, uh, but also all of the things that we've worked through, uh, including credit score, right? So when we're looking at scores, so I shared with you, there's three borrowers, I'm sorry, there's, there's three bureaus. Um, when you, when you apply for mortgage credit, you need a credit report that has all three bureaus. So it's called a tri merge, right? So three bureaus try, and those three bureaus are merged together into a single report. So when you're looking at, you're looking at one report, that's a compilation of the three, of, of the three bureaus. So if you have a, let's say you have an existing mortgage on your home, it, that mortgage reports to all three credit bureaus. When you look at your credit report, you're only going to see one mortgage on there reported by all three, but it's single, it's a single trade line. So it makes it easier to look at uh, for us. It makes it easier for the uh, computer systems to ingest. And that also makes it easier for you to look at if you uh, order your own credit report directly directly from the Bureau. And right. those three bureaus would be Equifax, Experian, and Trans- TransUnion? Yeah, TransUnion. Okay. Right? So of those three, what you do is you take your middle score, mm. right? So you take the highest one, you throw it out. The lowest one, you throw it out. You use, you use the one in the middle, all right? Now, if you have two borrowers, so now we have two borrowers with three bureaus each. That's six bureaus. That's six scores. All right. So a borrower and a co-borrower, what you do is you throw out for each one, you throw out their highest and you throw out their lowest. So you're looking at the middle score for each one. Then the pricing alone is going to be based on the lower of those two. All right. Mm. So, you know, you could have both of them have perfect credit. They have the exact same uh accounts because let's say they've been married let's say it's a married couple they've been married forever um the only credit showing on there is their credit since they were married okay but they have different scores how can that be how how can that possibly be because the information that's reported it's contained in their bureau is not exactly the same that would be the case for me my wife and me yeah yeah. We don't have identical yeah. credit scores. Well, yeah, we're close, but well, we're not identical. Right. And it's, it's, I would say it's, it's universally true, mm. right? It's not a mathematical impossibility that they could be exactly the same, but <laughs> it's just when you think about, I mean, there might be, there might be a hundred thousand data points in a, you know, in a credit report. Let's say you have a hundred accounts over, over, over time, you know, and it's just, 
you know, you might have had, let's say you had a car loan and you maybe you rewrote it three times over the course of seven years for whatever reason. Rates went down or we upgraded car or whatever we went in and traded in. That's three or four different three or four different loans, same, maybe even the same car, two, three, two, three loans. It's, it's not difficult to get, you know, 50, 60, hundred trade lines in a, you know, in a credit report, have a credit report that's like 20 pages long. Um, Most of the vast majority, you know, 95% of all those accounts are closed, right? But Mm -hmm. it's credit report shows credit history. How much of the history? Pretty much all of it, right? Um, you know, it's it's nothing to, I mean, I've seen American Express accounts opened in the 60s, like fairly recently. Now, they're not, you know, that that account, the data from that account is probably not factoring into the, um, to the credit score at all because of its age. But just to give you an idea, people think that when an account gets closed or they have something, maybe they fell behind on somebody, caught it up. Okay, well, I caught it up now. Well, Right, you're you're current now. Credit report shows that you're current now, but it shows that you were late last month or two months ago or last year or two years ago or whatever. The history stays. The history stays. And so and yeah, there are time periods with which, well, when that history becomes X number of years old, then it doesn't it doesn't affect it anymore. Yeah, there is some of that. But I can tell you from experience all day long. I can look in credit reports and I can see payment histories that are 10 years old and they're still reporting, right? So if you want to go through the process of writing to the credit bureau and going through that process to have that removed, you can. But most of the time, it's not something that old. And if it's small and isolated, it isn't having a significant, if you know, any effect at all. But later or earlier when I said I've never seen, I don't see very many 800s and I've never seen an 850 before. This is why. Because the vast, like vast majority, when I say that, I mean like well over 90% of credit reports contain an error of some sort. Just the sheer amount of data that goes in there, it's near impossible to keep it, you know, to keep it all, all right. So we've got borrower, co-borrower, middle score, the lower middle scores between the two. Let's say that one of them has a significantly lower score to the point where it's significantly hurting the credit file. Not, it's not a like I got the loan or I'm not going to get the loan thing. It's uh, how much am I going to pay to get the loan? I can get you a better rate if your credit was better. You have something in the mid-700s, but your spouse, because there's a medical collection on there. Oh, what are you talking about? I, we don't have it. Oh, well, I mean, it's right here. Is this, oh, that's that. Di- oh my, I'm going to call them. You know, I'll get that paid right away. Well, okay. You pay it. See this now we got to put the brakes. <laughs> we need to have a talk about this because there's a specific process to go through to do this. And it mm. does not include just calling them up, paying them and thinking that it's going to go away after that. When you do that, what you've done is you've waked up an old account. You created current history and it's still derogatory, even though it's paid, because it's a collection that's been paid, right? But it's still a collection account. And so it seems, it's counterintuitive, it doesn't make sense, it doesn't seem right, it's not fair, well, you know, <laughs> it's the way the algorithms work, all right? Just put the brakes on, let's talk about how we're going to do this the best way to go about it, all right? But that's an aside, it's, you know, this is a show of tangents. Um, Strategy-wise, though, we might consider leaving the lower credit scored borrower off the application. 
right? Let's say that person's not contributing any income or they're not contributing very much income to the application. Let's say they're not enhancing the qualification-wise, capacity-wise, or income-wise, right? So remember the three Cs, capacity, ability to pay financial resources, the income, spouse doesn't work, right? He or she doesn't matter. Um, If we leave them off, we're not losing any income, but we lose that lower score. So the mid, let's say it's a mid-600 score for whatever reason, um, they can still buy the house. They can still be on title to the house. It's just they're not going to be an app. They're not going to apply for the loan. Not going to be on the application. It means their credit file doesn't come into play. They're not going to be responsible for making those payments moving forward. That might be an option if the if the applicant or you're okay with that. All right, but it's a strategy we use. I do it all the time. Right, and it's it's very it's a very powerful one. Um, and that this whole thing leads me to this point of if you think you have perfect credit, because I meet it all the time. You know, I always tell people if you look at the HomeWise uh, playbook and how to go about when like this process and we've laid it out. Step number one was to, fig, you know, get pre-approved, figure out your loan strategy, figure out your financing first. Well, I don't need to do that. I know I'm qualified. I've got a house. I've got a vacation house. I make a million dollars. I make a million dollars a year. I've never missed a payment in my life. I've heard this all before. I go pull the credit report. It's a mid 600 score. Like, hey, yeah, you know, a year, okay, you're mid six. You know, like I, so I quote him, like, well, why is this so high? Well, mm. because you have a mid 600 score. Mm. Like, what are you talking about? I should be at 850. Well, right, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, well, huh. there's, a, there's a collection account on here from XYZ Insurance Company. What are you talking about? Like, Oh, that's that. Oh my gosh, that's the deductible for the for the thing on the fender bender. It wasn't even my fault. And like, okay, so it like <laughs> it triggers off this whole like firestorm of like what happened. Mm-hmm. I get it. It matters in the humanistic side of things, but it doesn't matter to the machine that's reading this data. So it pulled it in. It scored the file. So now you're sitting at six. You're sitting at the mid six hundreds. We can work with this. We can get it fixed. I can get it cleared up. It's not difficult. It's not expensive. It doesn't take that long. But if you show up in my office or on the phone, you got a contract in hand, and you need to close in three weeks, well, that's not enough time to get that fixed. Mm. And so now you find out about that. It's not your, it's not your fault, okay? It shouldn't affect your credit. And w- at the end of the day, it's not going to affect your credit score in the long run because we can go through and we can get this fixed, right? Not credit fixing like we do credit repair, but there's a process. Remember I said writing to the credit bureau to correct inaccuracies, right? Because that's it's an, it's, it's obviously an inaccurate, right? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we got to get that fixed, right? So it's going to go away. Score is going to return if you're closing in three weeks or four weeks or even six weeks, see, I would say one to two months because when you do this writing process, bureaus have at least 30 days to respond. Mm. You, By the way, you're hoping that they don't respond because that's when they, by law, they have to remove something that's, 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 uh, that they can't verify because that's the process that they have to go through in order to use the the law to you know to do this that's how credit repair cleaning restoration companies work technically this does fall into that but what i'm describing here is not 
I have a 500 credit score and I want a 700 credit score and I'm going to get that in six to eight weeks. Like it's going to take longer than that if, if ever. Right. Um, but this is just the point where somebody thinks that, that they're in, that they're in good shape, but they're not. So, and it doesn't mean it could be, you know, you are, you are a 719 and there's a, there's a benefit at 720. You should really be a 740, but you were 21 points. So now you're two buckets removed. And so mm. when we get into these pricing spreads, that starts to cost you money, right? And so if you should be in the mid 700s and you're in the lower 600 and, and you're in the mid, even if you're in the mid to upper 600s, that can be upwards of a point additional in cost, right? So when remember when we were talking about the mortgage broker advantage and the pricing differences between us and the other guy, and it will generally be at least a point between us and like the next most competitively priced mm. thing. Which, by the way, that loan looks just that that loan looks just fine, right? And you don't know what you don't know because you didn't shop around, or you didn't look around, or whatever. Um, so you might you might end up you know you might end up taking that. But if I told you that the difference between a, a lower score and a higher score might be a point. And let's say you have the higher score, but you're getting the pricing of what a lower score would be to me. Well, maybe you're with the other guy and you've got the lower score and you're going to have the lower score. That's what you're going to close on for whatever reason. When you come to me, I can almost always improve upon that because I've got choice of companies or some companies that don't disfavor or penalize lower scores the same way because it's not all at the at the loan, it's not all at the the agency level. So mm. Fannie Friday, when they deliver the loan, they've got those add-ons there. Uh, some of it is lender lender specific, and then we've just got our pricing advantage over it. So it can be the difference there. So if you're in the market, like call, right? Talk to me. Let's see what it looks like. Let's do an analysis. Um, we can do a soft pull credit versus a hard pull, and that just real quick. That means you don't get an inc- an inquiry. So it doesn't hurt to score. See, if you have your credit report pulled too many times in too short a period of time, it starts to ding the score. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, um, even if you have a pre-approval, get a second opinion. If you don't like your guy or your gal, if you don't like the rate, you don't like whatever you don't like, just call me, right? Now, don't call me just to be grumpy, just because <laughs> you want to, like, <laughs> grump on somebody. But if you are legitimately unhappy and you think you can do or should be doing better, let's talk about it mm-hmm. and give you a second opinion. So Good. Um, again, you can reach me, uh, my mortgage website, goshelter.com. It's got all the, the email and the phone on there. Um, but if for whatever reason you don't have the internet, um, you can call me 314-275-0314. And then there's always the radio station, our radio show website, uh, homewiseradio.com. Very good. That wraps up this edition of Homewise Radio. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm Stel Pontikas with the host and creator of the show, Michael Midget. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the show. We'll be back again next weekend with another edition of HomeWise Radio. Take care. Loans and loan information provided by Shelter Mortgage, Inc. Visit us at GoShelter.com and MLS number 192609. A Missouri residential mortgage licensee and equal housing lender. Call 888-497-2558 for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply. 